and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. I'm Darren Hefty, joined by my brother on the phone. He's out and about today, but still excited to talk about agronomy. I, I love this when Brian's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be on my phone, but I'm available all through the show because there's a lot going on out here. Brian, we've had some super windy days. I know that increases fire risk. Fortunately, I haven't heard of anything yet in our area, but man, that safety at harvest time is, is such a big deal. And then, of course, the long hours when we just haven't had rain in our area. Boy, there's some farmers that have been really hard at it for a long time here. Well, first of all, with the fire, I think we've only had one fire ever on our farm out in the field. Uh, bearing went out, and I mean, those things happen, so yeah, you always have to pay attention to that. But in terms of the long hours, I, that that was one of the things back when we were pushing it hard late into the year, especially when it's dark a lot and everything else, I was praying for, can we just get like a couple rain days <laughs> so we can take it a little easy for a couple of days? But yeah, like this year, we haven't lost a single day during harvest to rain or anything else. So that's that's just kind of the way it goes on the farm. You have to adjust based on the weather. And if you can go, you, you want to roll because you never know. Snow might come, rain might come, and all of a sudden your crop ends up on the ground. And especially this year, we have so much at stake. When the crop prices are high, it, I mean... I, I get it. As a farmer, you want to pull that stuff out of the field as quick as you can and get those dollars in the bank as soon as possible rather than have to worry all the time that, oh, I'm going to have a storm and it ends up on the ground instead. All right, Brian, we got our first caller. It is Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we got Drew with us down in Kansas. Drew, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. So, um, so a little bit about me. Right now, I'm I work for a seed company, and I'm helping my dad farm. I've been out of college for about three, four years now, and so I was wondering, uh, what would be your guys' recommendations on like taking? I want to take like maybe a couple college courses versus going back for a whole agronomy d- degree. What would be something that would help me be a better farmer? Well, uh, I guess I would jump in with this. I'd I'd say understanding your soils and soil fertility. One of the challenges that we see in agriculture is, and we talk about it every day on our show, is just reading and understanding soil tests and knowing where to spend the money and where not to. Because fertilizer is expensive. There's there's tremendous crop prices right now. You get a great chance to make money. There's there's a good chance for a high gross income, but there's also a chance for really, really high inputs. And we want to make sure we're spending every dollar wisely. And, and that's one of the biggest ones is fertility. So for me, I would start working on soil fertility, learning how to read soil tests and how to make your own recommendations. Yeah. But the whole thing is, I'll, I'll just tell you, Drew, when I went to college, here's what my dad said. He goes, when you get done with your four years at college, don't think you're going to come home and be all smart and know everything. He said, you're going to college to learn how to learn. Once you get done with college, you actually have to learn everything you need about agronomy and farming. So there's nothing wrong with taking some more college classes. If you want to do it, great. But all I'm saying here is you could just continue uh, talking to lots of farmers now, running trials on your farm and others, and learning out of that too. Okay, you know, I mean, I've lived on the farm and been helping my dad farm my whole life, so I was just 
maybe something a little extra, just something that somebody else hasn't tried for me to try on my own farm is what I'm looking at. But um, that pretty much answers my question for now. I really appreciate you guys' time, and I enjoy listening to the show. Oh, thanks, Drew. You know, the other thing to, to look at, I guess, other things that I would think about, and, and you don't necessarily have to go to college to do this, but you sure can, is learn more about plant growth and development, looking for key growth stages where you can influence yield and and different processes within the plant to, to move nutrients and, and make better yield. That kind of thing is, is a big deal. Um, and you know, obviously there's tons of areas to, to be an expert in with farming, with grain marketing, with uh, mechanics, with accounting. Uh, there's there's just a lot of different areas and you can pay for a class. You can uh, just work with different farmers. The cool thing about selling seed, which, which it sounds like you're doing that as well, is you get to work with a lot of great farmers. So go sell some seed to the guys that are doing a great job and say, tell me more about your fungicide program and your plant health program, yeah. what you're doing, that kind of thing. And you can learn a lot from other guys. You know, the other thing is, rather than going to a college, and again, I, I'm, I'm not talking against any college class. I think that's great if you want to do that. But I'm just throwing out alternatives, too. There are lots of little seminars. It might be a one-day thing or a three-day thing at a variety of different universities or ag retailers or agronomists are putting these on. I, I mean, I've done a lot of those things since I got out of college. And wow, those are just tremendously helpful because then you can can go with whatever you're really trying to learn. And, and so it might be, like Darren said, with soil testing, it might be a two-day thing or like Neil Kinsey's going to have a three-day class, for example, at our place uh, up in Baltic at the end of February. I, I mean, any of those kind of things that you can do out there, and there are lots of those learning opportunities as well. So I, I, I was just telling somebody this yesterday, agriculture is super fun but you better be ready to learn all the time because there's so much new and different coming out every single year. It, 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 it does require a lot of study, a lot of work, and it's great. I mean, I'm super excited about all the great new technology that's coming, but there is a lot to learn all the time. Oh, I 100% agree with that. So, I, like I said, this has been really helpful. I was looking at maybe take one or two classes to help me understand it, so I'm thinking that science would be a good class to start with and maybe hopefully i'll be able to make the time to come up to your guys's field day that would be awesome drew yeah we'd love to see you up here and if you do come make sure you say hi will do all right again thank you guys so much for your time you bet. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That's a great way to start the show. It's Farmer Friday. We want to hear what you're thinking about on your farm. If you've got agronomic questions, you want to talk about some things that happened out in the field this year or what you're working on right now, uh, again, 844-44-AG-PHD or radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 2,4-D applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. It came on a night like any other, with power unlike anything else on Earth. 
using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines will be open throughout the day. Uh, Farmer Friday is all about you and your questions and what's going on in your farm. So if you've got something you'd like to talk about, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to California. Got Steve on with us right now. Steve, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Good afternoon, Darren. How are you? Well, pretty good if I can get my controls to work here. I'm I'm solo in the studio. Brian's out and about having fun today, and and uh, so I'm in here running the controls myself, just with the help of my sister, of course, uh, lining things up for us. How about you? Are you working solo today? Are you working with a team? No, uh, we're always working with a team. We're planting planting garlic and getting ground ready for next year for watermelons and and uh, cantaloupes. We just finished harvesting those last week and getting the cooler cleaned up and getting the boxes out and getting ready for citrus. So outstanding. Busy. That sounds good. Every single thing that you talked about there, I enjoy eating. So that, that just made me hungry, <laughs> Steve. That's awesome. Okay. So talk to us about garlic. Cause I really like garlic and of course it's pretty famous for, uh, for having a strong smell to it. Uh, what's, what's that kind of crop like? You know, it's a, it's it's planted with a with a clove. So we take the bulbs and we break them and you know we break them up and and have the seed growing up in Oregon and then they come down here. Um, so we've got a, a clove planter that's uh, we grow we grow uh, six seven eight lines on an eighty inch bed top, and we use uh, three rows of drip tape down the middle uh, to for the for the water. And uh, we start planting in October. We harvest that in early July. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I have I can say I've never been in a garlic field before. So, what are the biggest challenges with garlic? Do the bugs like them, or is it is weed control difficult? Weed control is difficult because of the high plant population and the close spacing. Um, the garlic that we're planting today is organic, so we don't have any weed control any, any herbicides for it. So everything's mechanical. Um, we can use burners, which you can. The advantage we have with growing organic is you could take garlic or the advantage we have for weed control organics is you could take garlic and burn it to the ground and it'll come back so we can go in with a propane burner once we get it once we get the crop established 
and the weeds come up, we can go in and at least burn down the first, first big, big, uh, big, uh, population of the weeds. And then we can go ahead and turn the drip on and keep it, keep it growing. And the garlic comes right back and, and we're able to get a, a beautiful crop that way. Um, but weeds is a big problem and garlic is get, you know, they get, uh, some, some rust problems in, in the fall or in the uh, early spring, uh, rust can be a problem. There's a few molds that'll affect the cloves. Uh, but insects, I've, I've never really had any issues. The thrips will go to it a little bit, but not necessarily because they want to. It's just because of what's green at the time. But really, insects are not a problem in garlic at all. Now, you mentioned rust, and when it comes to disease control, are there some natural options to stop that? Is it just a crop rotation thing that you just can only do it every so often? Or what are the best ways to keep that from being a big problem? We try to rotate about a four-year four-year crop rotation so we don't have we don't have uh garlic on the same ground uh for every four years and then uh organically we're able to use sulfur and sulfur actually works fairly well on on uh dusting sulfur we have we have we have uh machines that just have a you know a a blower on them we blow the dust on and it actually works fairly well you just got to do it as a preventative you got to continue especially if you get any any kind of rains or any moisture in that springtime. So the, the not too bad. Um, soil-borne pro- issues can be a, a big problem, soil-borne diseases, um, especially if, you're clean, if your seed's not clean. So I'm pretty, pretty much a stickler on making sure we have good, clean seed. There's no soil on our seeds at all. I mean, that's, that's the problem. Sometimes you'll get a, a root ball that has soil in it, and if there's a disease in that, it'll spread like wildfire. So we we make sure that the people we grow for their seed is very clean and, you know, we, we don't get any uh, contamination coming in with, with the seed. Sure. Sure. And in terms of fertility, what, what can a person use on organic garlic? Is that something where you have to build soil fertility up with previous crops before you do this? Or is that something that you can add? Yeah, something I'm a, I'm a kind of a big believer in feed the soil, not the plant type thing. I, I do a lot of Neil Kinsey's, uh, recommendations for for uh different types of balancing our soils i I do a lot with neil um we use some chicken litter and we use a fair amount of humic acid and we do use we do use quite a bit of compost to start we put down compost pre-plant and we do put some chicken litter down um and that's about it it's not it's not too difficult. Garlic's not a, a big user of anything, um, of any, you know, any, any specific product. Um, we do keep our phosphorus up and our potassium up because our ground has a little bit more salt in it. So what I've found is that, you know, if you've got a lot of sodium in it in your soil, if you keep your potassium levels up, the plant will take up more potassium and not so much, so, much sodium because the, the way I understand it, the molecules are about the same size. The plant doesn't know the difference. So, we do use a fair amount of potassium in our soils over here just to, so we can offset some of the sodium issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's always challenges, aren't there? Every soil is a little bit different. Every area is a little different. And I know it sounds, oh, man, Steve's out in California. He's got irrigation. This is all great. But, oh, yeah, he's got plenty <laughs> of challenges, too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And we're using well water because I'm, you know, our, our well – on that particular ranch is 2,500 feet deep. So it, it, it's a long ways to get water. And uh, we do have some salt issues and, and we don't have any district water. Hopefully, you know, Lord willing, he gives us some rain and snow this year. Maybe we'll get some district water again this year. We haven't had any district water for three years. So it's all well water right now. 
Yeah, it sounds like another La Nina this year too, unfortunately. So I don't know if there's any hope in the in the near future for us. Yep, I agree. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the education here on on garlic and just soil management in general. It sounds it, well. You got the challenges. It does sound like it, you're having some fun out there too. Yeah, it's great. It's something different every day. I mean, we're harvesting pumpkins and selling those. I mean, we've got we've got a lot of different crops, and that's one advantage we have in California. We can grow. There's over 400, 400 different crops within a hundred mile radius of where we live. Wow. Well, that's that's a lot to keep track of. Well, Steve, we'll let you get back to work, but thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. All right, Darren. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Let's head to the opposite coast here. We've got Isaac over in North Carolina with us. Isaac, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, I was just thinking, listening to Steve, I just want to plant corn and soybeans. <laughs> it sounds a lot easier. It seems a lot simpler, a lot simpler doesn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, there's enough challenges just with those couple of crops. How about for you guys this year? Well, it's been a, um, overall, it's been a good year. We've had a generally favorable, favorable weather. You always, there's always things that pop up. You know, two weeks ago we had Hurricane Ian, which we didn't get much wind from it, but we got, well, for you all, we got a summer's worth of rain in, a, in an afternoon. So that was plenty. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No doubt about that. So where, where is the crop at right now? Is everything out of the field or you still got some more to go? Uh, there's a little bit more to go. Most of the corn, we're done with our corn. I'd say most of the corn in the area is done. And then as far as the full season beans, it really depends on what, what a person had. The, the folks with the early and mid threes, they're, they're out. They've been out kind of moving into the, the mid to late fours now and then kind of starting to transition into some of the earlier double crop beans also. Sure. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. That's the, that's the neat thing too. When you have that climate where you can plant uh, a lot of different maturities out there. I know we're seeing more guys further South getting into some of those group threes, even group twos in some cases, if they've got the disease tolerance to handle it, it's, it's kind of interesting, not only just to spread your risk out, spread your harvest timing out, but potentially to get more yield on some years. Yeah. Yeah. I know we, we on our particular farm have seen a, it seems like the earlier we go, the better the yields are. I'm sure we'll we'll find a we'll find a breaking point here before too long. But there's definitely some reward with the early planting, earlier maturity soybean varieties. Yeah, it's good for the guys up north like us to hear because we think, oh man, the guys that can plant the group threes and the group fours, they get such an advantage on us. And while there can be some advantages, uh, it isn't the reason why we aren't getting a hundred bushel. That's for sure. Well, hey Isaac, we're gonna let you run, but so glad that Ian didn't hit you with the wind, and uh, hopefully some of that moisture was was a blessing too. All right, thank you. You bet. Thanks. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and we'll be right back after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeal Pro Miticide from Valent USA. 
With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, but reaching out to every farmer out there. We'd love to hear what's going on on your farm, what you're working on, what you're thinking about for next year. And if you've got any agronomic questions, we'd love to help you there too. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Illinois. We've got John on with us right now. How's it going, John? Hey, uh, we're doing well, Darren. How are things going with you? I assume they're doing just fine. Well, we had our first snowflakes in the air today, John, and that's uh, that's no fun. I don't want to see that quite yet. Normally, they wait until November here, but every once in a while, they come early. Fortunately, it lasted only for a little while, and it didn't really build up on the ground, so we're, we'll live to see another day. But how about over in Illinois? Are the crops out? Are you guys getting decent weather? How's it going? No, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because... We actually had a good 10, 15 minutes of sleet slash snow yesterday too. Uh, and nobody, we were, we were working on unloading auger, uh, dangling that off with a crane. And, uh, that was not in the forecast. Let me tell you, cause we would not have done it yesterday. <laughs> I don't tell you that we would have waited another day or two. Uh, but we got it done, but, uh, boy, it, it, the weather here has just changed dramatically in the last four days. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've gone from, having 
I'd call it, you know, washing your truck twice a day weather, you know, it was about 65 degrees and super dry, you know, the, you'd wash your truck at eight o'clock cause it was dusty. And then by noon, the dust would kick up again. You'd have to wash it again. That's what we were dealing with for about a good two weeks. And then all of a sudden, four days ago, we got about an inch of rain and we've had 20 mile per hour gusts for four days and everything has come to a standstill for the last four days. So it's, it's it's very very big change here in the last week. Yeah, we've had some so we're, really we're strong about 20% winds too. Twenty percent done here. Okay. Yeah, these so winds have been interesting. The corn at. the corn that's out there. We've seen some fields losing their tops, and I've uh, heard a couple of guys with some eardrop and those kinds of things. And you know, and you get big winds at harvest when everything's ready to go, and otherwise you'd be rolling. It's it, it can be a bad thing. Yeah. Well, this this year was a really. Uh, interesting but it was a good year i mean the yields look look good i mean the areas i just drove from i-80 i farm right on the state line and i had to go get parts down down south uh, at i-80 and drove up through there is a lot of crop left out in the field and it's a lot of guys are starting to get a little nervous with the beans sitting out there right now and we're trying to plant winter wheat and i would say maybe 10 to 20 percent of the winter wheat has actually been put in the ground right now so we're we're cutting it pretty close so we're we're a bit concerned about that well normally we hear guys say that first week of october is kind of the last end of the ideal window what what is your ideal window where you're at well that would be ideal too but realistically around here it's mid mid october late last part of October just to kind of scratch and claw to get something going. Okay. Uh, we can grow some great wheat around here, but nobody likes to go that way. It's it just, that's, that's a real big problem. Yeah. But, uh, so that's, that's what we're, we're dealing with. And I know a lot of, a lot of friends that wanted to get more wheat in and they still have beans out. So <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, going to be quite a, quite a challenge. Hey, you mentioned the beans. Uh, talk to us about them. It, what is the moisture level like in those beans? What do the stems look like? Have you guys, you said you had some sleet. Have you had some freezing conditions to kind of cure things up? What's going on? There were a lot of people in our area that tried to sneak in some double crop beans after wheat. And uh, traditionally, I mean, if, if beans are $10, nobody's doing it. But this year, you know, they, they tried to make an attempt at it. Those were super grass green and those just drove by a couple fields today and they're basically dead. Um, the group I grow, I'm a bit of anomaly. I grow a one, nine to two, three. Usually everybody around here is about two, five to two, nine, three, two. And, uh, just drove by a field that we had a lot of green, uh, stem. Uh, we got ours out two weeks ago. Uh, the beans were right on the head. They were 13%. Uh, those were enlist beans. And, but yeah, they were green, but I mean, that happens from year to year, Yeah, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's nothing to be too, too scared of, but, uh, I think there's going to be, unfortunately, a lot of more beans on the ground with this wind and this rain that we've had, because there were people that were really starting to go and, uh, about four or five days ago. And now, uh, now those, we, those beans are kind of shaken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, how about corn? Where, where are things at with corn? Oh, corn, boy, if, if beans are 20% done, I'd say corn is maybe 10 to 15. Uh, we had a really good year, great growth on it, but the plant just doesn't want to die. 
and personally on my farm, I'm a big fan of wide dropping and, uh, I think I actually put a little too much on, uh, right, right before castle. I usually put about 50 units on. I had one field where I just decided I'm going to go for, go for a hundred on it. And, you know, Darren last week it was at 24% and this week it's at 24%. I mean, it's just, it's just not drying down. Yep. And it's a, it's going to be a good year to be a propane salesman in Northern <laughs> Illinois. I can tell you that because there there's 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 a lot of corn uh, that has to come out, and there's a lot of people who are out there right now that don't want to be out there with the the high moisture that it is, but uh, they're they're running against the window and they want to get it out. So it's, yeah, yeah, we, we're we're at that point where that crop does not want to die. Well, I guess uh, hopefully the warm weather. I know we're supposed to catch some mid next week. I think it's supposed to warm back up. And uh, just for for anybody in the south that isn't hasn't been following weather up in the north, we're we're a uh, high of fifty today and down to like thirty at night. And uh, by next weekend, it's supposed to be up towards seventy again for daytime highs. So we're we're looking forward to that to kind of cure some things up too. And hopefully you guys catch that as well, John, where you guys get a little warm up and get things rolling. Well, that would be appreciated, but you know what? It's, you know, being a farmer is like being a Cubs fan. There's always next year. So. <laughs> yes, and uh, and for, for us out here, Minnesota Vikings football fans, yes. It's, there you go. Oh, right. my goodness. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're already looking at next year. All right, John, well, I'll let you run and get back to work, but thank you so much. Really appreciate hearing from you. You got it, Darren. Take care. Thanks. Let's head over to New Jersey. Got our friend Ray Bohax with us. Ray, you bet. How you doing, Ray? Very good, very good, sir. How are you guys doing? I'm enjoying listening to the show. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, you know, when you look at FarmMachineryDigest.com, the Idle Chatter podcast, the On the Road podcast, Hot Rod Farmer, man, we got just so many different ways that we can hear from Ray Bohax, but it's pretty nice to talk to you in person. Oh, thank you. Likewise, I mean, you guys are doing pretty good yourselves with all different venues, but it's nice to talk to uh, Farmer to Farmer, you know, on Farmer Friday. I always enjoy that aspect of your show to hear what's going on. All right. Talk to us about from New Jersey. You bet. Talk to us about that great New Jersey sweet corn. What, what kind of crop do you have this year? Well, it wasn't it wasn't so great, but uh, let me preface it by saying everything that could go wrong uh, weather-wise, went wrong. We probably lost about ninety-five percent of our crop. Oh no! Uh, we had a yeah, we had a dry winter. We had a lot of promise. We had a dry winter, uh, just enough moisture to plant. I know till we had pretty good emergence. We got about ten inches of rain in three days. It went down, stayed in the low forties. The field stayed wet. Uh, had about a half inch inch of water on it. Uh, that washed all my pre down too deep. We have low CEC soil, just about 5.9, so it doesn't take much to wash everything down too deep. And then uh, that was the first four plantings. Then the other five plantings, we did nine plantings, a little bit different than row than a grain farmer because if you're doing fresh market sweet corn, you have to stage it. Uh, we are, we're trying to sell it wholesale and on and retail, so you can't bring it all in at one time. And then the next, uh, then the good Lord shut the rain off after that, after that, and we had 100-degree weather. So it was actually some of it in the second, uh, what I call the second plantings, the, actually the second field, 
play things five to nine. I looked pretty good, and then but it just gave up. You know, it doesn't. Corn wants water, and it doesn't like a hundred degrees. No. Maybe a tenth of an inch of rain in a month and a half. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, With that's a that's soils. a bad but, bad combination, especially on low CEC soils. Hey Ray, we're up against a break. Can you hang on through the break? We'd love to chat with you a little bit more. Certainly, certainly. Thank you. You bet. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. What does winter have in store? I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. We don't know what's gonna happen in three days and certainly not in three months. So there's no way of knowing what's going to happen to the nitrogen we applied this fall. But by moving your application to spring with the 360 bandits on your planter, you know your nitrogen will be there when the plant needs it. And with the split application with 360 wide drop, you can add just what the plant needs to finish strong. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and we would love to hear from you. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show, 
44 Ag PhD, and real happy to have Ray Bohax with us, uh, who is a farmer out in New Jersey. In addition to all the media outlets that you're going to hear Ray on, probably recognize Ray's voice right off the bat. Ray, what what would you say the number one question you get is? As, uh on machinery or on my farm? <laughs> I'd say machinery is probably the top thing I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, the, the, I would say the number one question I get is probably people having an issue with tier four, some sort of tier four mission strategy, and mostly on farm equipment, but also on their trucks. And uh, that's probably the number one, number one question that I, that I do get. And uh, it's the same answer all the time is that you have to recognize just like you, you talk about soil health and, you know, feeding the soil, not the plant. And is that for a tier four system to work efficiently and be, and have a minimum amount of problems is that you have to recognize that you have to have a good combustion event. And the way I teach it is a lot like seed to soil contact. If you go in the field and you have four seed to soil contact with your planter, then you're going to have, uneven emergence, you may not have germination, you'll have a whole bunch of things happen. Well, the same thing is that most people in agriculture and also in other venues, the trucking industry and also also don't want to recognize that that they need to have an efficient combustion event with a diesel engine and that is basically rooted in its akin to the seed to soil contact of having a diesel fuel that is going to support a good combustion event. And sadly, most people don't want to want to it recognize that they're paying five or six dollars a gallon for a fuel that is lacking in the attributes to support a good combustion event and they need to advertise it properly and uh, a lot of issues with that simply because they the engine has a poor combustion it may run fine but either has a lot of particulates they're going through a lot of regens or they have an issue with uh, diesel exhaust fluid that it's caking up, it crystallizes on the, they call it a doser instead of an injector, or they run it out of fuel, uh, run it out of diesel exhaust fuel, it goes into limpid. But most of the time, most of the questions I get, Stanley, are just about regen processes and, and D rates on the engine coming at the wrong time. And the next thing that I say is that a lot of electrical issues uh, and then again, there needs to be a recognition of of ground circuits and clean electricity. Of the more voltage, the more electronics we put on our farm equipment combine looks like the space shuttle inside. Is that it's it, very it costs as much too. Circuit. It costs as much as a space yeah, shuttle, right. too, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you're right. And the thing is that so I I basically in essence I would say in an, it's an it's a machinery version of you and your brother touting the agronomic attributes that need to be attributed to have a successful crop. Most And so it's the same thing. You have to pay, pay attention to fuel quality. You have to pay attention to lubricity and fuel. You have to pay attention to ground circuits, alternator output, uh, corrosion and wires. That's usually most of the, most of the problems that they end up they're invisible or what I would call latent problems where you really can't see them up front, but you see the result of it. Uh, the thing is that the farmer really needs just to recognize that more. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be the ag PhD of machinery, if you don't mind me saying that. 
No, we appreciate that. Ray uh, does such a great job, as you can tell. He's a little bit passionate about, about what's going on in this field, I guess, to use a pun. But, uh, Ray, we really appreciate having you on. It's good touching base with you. Tell our listeners what, what's the best way to find you and, and if they have questions for you. Maybe you generated some questions here where they could send those to. Uh, well, thank you. They could go to farmmachinerydigest.com. And there's a link there. My email is hotrodfarmer at Farm Machinery Digest, but the link is right there. If you got, and obviously you could hear me on Sirius XM on weekends on channel 147, Saturday and Sunday. And my idle chatter podcast is almost humbly, almost any place that you want to find it on my website or most all the major podcast hosting sites. But I'm hoping, but this is going to be between you and me. I'm hoping to go to your Neil Kinsey seminar in lieu of going to commodity classic, but don't tell anybody that. <laughs> well, Ray, hope to see you there. We always appreciate it when we get a chance to see you. Uh, Ray Bohax here, farmmachinerydigest.com. Thanks, Ray. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and send some rain for next year, huh, please, buddy? Oh, boy, we could take the rain too, Ray. I don't know if we're going to share quite yet, but uh, if we do get a little bit, I, I guess we'll try. Uh, let's head over to Wisconsin. we got Dave on with us right now. Dave, how's it going? Oh, it's going just fine, Darren. How are you doing today? You know, our harvest is done. So I'd say we are doing oh. fabulous right now. Cause, oh, wonderful. Oh, the, I'm we jealous. Weather's been a little crazy here with these winds, and I'm afraid we're sending them your way, too. Oh, well, I'd rather you'd keep them. We had all white here this morning. It snowed, ground was covered, only about a quarter inch. But uh, we need rain as well here. It's dry. Yeah, there's not much moisture in a quarter inch of snow. I know it looks good out no. there when there's a blanket, but uh, there's there's about like a sprinkle in that is all. Uh, that's yeah. that's no fun. So how's harvest going over there? You know, beans are wrapping up. They're pretty much taken care of. There's some out there yet to get, but most of the beans are done. We're in a, an area in extreme uh, western Wisconsin. We're in a severe drought. We're about six inches below normal for rainfall right now, a little over that, actually. Uh, my beans didn't fare that well without irrigation. I think I had some that ran 30 in one field and then some stuff under the pivot. It was partially under pivot and partially dry land. Those ran about 49 uh, or under, yeah, those were 59. I'm sorry, 59, so... And corn really hasn't gotten started yet, but I've talked to some of the dairy farmers around here, and one of my neighbors chops a lot of silage. I think he had 900 acres of corn silage to chop, and he was saying he thought all of the crops were kind of short this year. His corn, even under the irrigators, were probably two feet shorter than normal. Had a good ear, but uh, tonnage just wasn't quite there. Wow, we had exactly the same thing. We uh, we've been really? dry as well, and our we we don't chop the silage on our farm. There's a neighbor that does, and he said it, on the same fields last year it was two feet taller than it was this year. So yeah. the, the tonnage was definitely off. Yeah, yeah. I we still, actually, hey, I had Dave. The... Let me give you some encouragement though. Our tonnage was off, but our yields were pretty close to normal. So they, they were off really? a little bit, but not bad. So we were pretty happy with how much grain there was, just not as many tons. We didn't get quite as big a plant. Yeah. Well, I'm just harvesting for grain, so I'm happy if I hear that, if that turns out that way. But our corn, we were, we were awful dry. We were cold, wet in April, couldn't plant anything, didn't get started until, well, I think the 13th of May is when I got my corn in. 
And uh, then it turned stopped raining pretty much for August, June, July. Uh, and, and it just, it got hurt. The corn is mostly 14 rows. It's, uh, I think it's going to be hurt some. I actually had, uh, oh, the seed corn company did some tissue tests and soil sampling over the course of the summer. And I think they pulled eight tissue tests and four soil samples. And my nutrients showed pretty much on the uh, medium to lower side most of the all season. And I kind of attribute it to uh, the dryness because I just didn't think the plant could get it in or they couldn't get the plant nutrients into the plant. Because uh, I know I got the fertility levels out there, the right, phosphorus, right. potash, and I had the nitrogen on there. But it still, it showed low to very low on the nitrogen. Even after we'd put on a second pass of nitrate, we had a quarter inch, but it was it was extremely dry. I just don't think the plant could get it. I totally agree with you, Dave. I felt the same thing on our farm. And, of course, we saw the the deeper, better soils. Okay, yeah, if you dug down deep, you could find a little moisture, and it seemed like the crops were much better. The lighter soils mm-hmm. or the fields we hadn't had very long, if they couldn't find it in the top few inches, it didn't exist. And, yeah, we just yeah. we just couldn't get – didn't have enough moisture to – to do that well dave i guess we'll have to try and send some rain your way too uh, if we get a little bit out here we're happy to share but uh boy what a what a tough tough deal well good luck here on the rest of harvest stay safe dave and we really appreciate having you on thanks for the time take care darren you bet it's farmer friday on today's ag phd radio program we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD we'll be right back You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash. And aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. 
AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we would love to hear from you if you've got an agronomic question or just want to talk about what's happening on your farm. Um, our lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Joined by my brother Brian again, and uh, get a question here. And Brian, I know uh, uh, you, you may not have soil tests in hand, but if you did, you could look up uh, soil tests from uh, last fall off of the blank slate field that I've got, and and you'd be able to contribute to this a little bit. But uh, get this question from Jonathan. We've got videos out there online from a long ways back with Ag PhD. We've done over 24 years of new shows every week. And Jonathan was watching one of the older ones, and he said this is back like 11 years ago. And Darren referenced a field he was calling the blank slate that he had just acquired and, and had very low organic matter levels. And he said, just curious, what has been done over the last 11 years out there? Have there been any noticeable improvements? And uh, what farming practices did you use to get there? And if you remember, Brian, we had a lot of soil tests there that were like in the 1% to 2% uh, percent organic matter on that farm. And yeah, 11 years, I'm just looking, the average now is probably around three. And that seems a little bit crazy. And that field is quite variable. There are still some parts out there that are as low as 1.6% organic matter, but then there's some that are up in the fours too. So uh, we, we have definitely done some different things out there. We've done some strip till out there. Um, we've installed some drainage tile in that field. Now we've got alfalfa on the field for the first year this year. And it had a pretty good crop for first year alfalfa. I think it did pretty well, Brian. Our average phosphorus parts per million at the end of last year were averaging around 60. And it was single digits. When now that's we 60 on a Malik 3, keep in mind, not true. a P1 or true. an Olsen. That's true. But still... Yeah, it's more. And I guess I'll summarize this real quickly by in that field by saying we took, I think it was the first three years, we just wanted to see on a, on a field that was junk with no fertility, can we just basically uh, go fairly minimal fertilizer rates? We were just using agro-liquid fertilizer. We wanted to see if we could feed the crop and still get good yields, and we did. Now, granted, I mean, if you're going to have a field with no fertility and all you're going to do is put some out with the planter, you can't expect that you're going to have, you know, 
300 bushel corn or anything like that. But we made good money that doing it that way. And we wanted to prove this out because there are a lot of people that don't own ground. They say, hey, I'm only going to have this field for one more year. What can I do? It's low fertility. So we found, yeah, you absolutely can do that. Now, since then, we've done a number of other things to truly build up that field. So Darren mentioned the tile. But in addition to that, we put on a lot of broadcast fertilizer, not just N, P, and K, but all the micronutrients. And we have done a lot of strip till because it's pretty hilly. So what we're trying to do is build soil organic matter. And I don't remember off the top of my head where we would have started if we would have looked at the average back then. I mean, we do have the records. I could, I could look it up, but I'm not by my computer right now. But I know we've, we've built it. I just don't know exactly how much we've built the organic matter. Yeah, we we built it quite a bit. And I guess I started off by saying a lot of it was in the one to two range, and now on average we're probably three. So it it's been it's been good. We've been working on that hard, no doubt about that. Yeah, and, I know, but I, I mean those are pretty general terms, and there's a big difference if you round it to three. Are we at two point eight or at three point two? When you say we're one to two, well, that's also a really big range. And did we really truly start at two point two? I don't know the exact numbers. That's all I'm getting at. But I do know we've built it. Yeah, I've been working on building all the fertility on that ground, and it hasn't been cheap, but it's been something we've been doing over, like you say, over a decade to try to make that better. So thanks for the question, Jonathan. Really appreciate you checking out our, our content. And if you got further questions, please let us know. All right, uh, get this one from Southeast Nebraska, and this one is from Travis. I uh, said, hey, guys, I'm farming down here in southeast Nebraska, but I'm also adding some custom spraying next year. Uh, all of the acres will be corn. I've been harvesting these fields now for a decade or so, and there's always a lot of water hemp or palmer pigweed. It's it's about 95% of the weeds in the field. Well, this year the weed pressure was so bad, imagine a field planted to water hemp with some mild pressure from volunteer corn. That's kind of what it looked like. And my neighbor said he would like me to start spraying for him instead of what the co-op's been doing. So wanted to get your advice on how to attack a really tough water hemp mess. We've been running on our farm with good success, uh, a pre-emerge program consisting of Roundup plus Atrazine, Dicamba, and SureStart. And then post-emerge, we've been doing Roundup atrazine and meso and or callisto and i'm just kind of curious we don't have near the pressure they've got will that program hold up or should we do something a little different nope that program will not hold up that's not enough what i would get out there is some sharpen so verdict would be the product i would use and then spike more group 15 with it so you get full rate group 15 Plus, you've got the sharpen. You need that sharpen for a different mode of action. It's going to be much better than the broadleaf killers you've got in Sure Start. So that's the direction that I would go. All right. And then post-emerge, I'd also look at, uh, do you need status? I personally think you do. I don't think the but, meso but don't is going spray to do it, it. But don't spray it late. If you're going to do status, no, no. get it done by V5 corn. So by yeah, five V5 at corn. the latest. Right, for sure. Yeah, so the reason why I say the status is there, there, is, there are resistance issues out there with meso right now, with water hemp and palmer pigweed. I'm not saying it's a rampant problem, but it's enough of a problem that you do need to get it addressed. So that's where status will kill all those resistant, the, all those resistant mares, or sorry, 
water hemp, and palmer pigweed. All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, and, and good luck to you. Yeah, when you've got heavy weed pressure, it's not going to go away in one year, like you had mentioned, the weed seed bank, and so I think you're fully aware you're going to be fighting this problem for a little while here, but um, that that's okay. Just, just do the best you can this year. The other things that you can do, just cultural practices with planting population, row spacing, earlier planting dates, uh, a lot of different things like that. Think about all those things, too, that could help make your life a little bit easier. I mean, for example, if you put your herbicide out and then don't plant for a month, well, it's going to run out of gas a lot sooner and definitely before crop canopy. So uh, just, just try and keep those things in mind. If you get herbicide on at a good time, get planting done really early as well. And it kind of leads us into this next question here, Brian. This one comes from Tom. He said, hi, guys. I'm going to try your three-pre strategy on soybeans this next year. I'm curious if it's best to use before I plant or after I plant and also so is there anything I need to adjust the rates on? I've got sandy soil. How sandy? Doesn't say. Uh, and and this is this is one of those things, Tom. If if when you say sandy soil, now Brian talks about this a lot, that we'll talk to growers up in Manitoba that have a 30 CEC, very heavy soil, but they also have some 40 CEC soil, even heavier, and they say this the 30 CEC is their light sandy soil. So it's all it's all relative. If your light sandy soil is a two or three CEC, that's way different than if it's a ten or a fifteen. So uh, do look at your soil test. Look at the cation exchange capacity. That'll kind of give you a relative gauge there. But let's say that it's in the single digits or even the low single digits, okay. Brian. That's a whole different deal. Well, okay. So first of all, the before planting or after, I I would always recommend before. That way we know it's on because we really want to make sure we get those modes of action out there. Uh, if, if you don't get the pre done, we're really behind the eight ball for weed control. So that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, no, I would not adjust the rates for sand in terms of the yellow. That would be either prowl in no-till or trifluralin in conventional till, or the valor or authority component, the PPO. So I would not adjust the rates of either of those. What I would adjust the rates on would be metribuzin. So, and metribuzin is pH sensitive. It's, it's more pH sensitive than sand sensitive. So when the pH is high, so over 7.4, that's where we start cutting back. The, full, the normal rate we recommend is a third of a pound. You cut back immediately when you're 7.4 or over to a sixth of a pound or even less. If it's really sandy soil, then we're going to advise, and, it, and the label will say this too, don't even use metribuzin. But it's got to be really sandy. So I'm talking like 5 or less. If it's between 5 and 10, I'd probably still use it. i just keep the rate really low. All right. Well, thank you so much for the question. We really appreciate it, Tom. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.